half yellow and half white, and they have a number on them. And I'm going to tell you the number, and you help me spot them. And it was it was like a game. I I enjoyed that part immensely. Yeah, there it is, three, four, two, right over there. And and he turned that boat, and we motor over to that buoy, and he would take a hook, a big gaff, and he would hook that thing, and and he brought that ball up on the boat. He had a machine where he put it around, and a pulley pulled, began to pull that rope, reel that rope around. He pushed a button, and the motor pulled it around. And I'm, I'm just, you know, what is this? This new experience. I'm, I'm standing looking over the side of the boat. How exciting is this? And, and when the crate broke the surface of the water, it was a trap, a crab trap. What my brother-in-law was doing for a living was crab trapping. And, and I didn't even know really why. I just, you want to go out on the boat? Sure. And, and so when that, when that broke the surface of the water, he took his big leather gloves, thick leather, and he pulled them on over his hands, clear past his elbows, both, both of, of these gloves. And then he reached down into, oh, you hold still. He, re- he reached down in there, and he, he pulled out a crab. And at that moment, I, I looked into the, the crate, and you could see through the slats, and, and there were lots of crabs in there, and all of them, their, their pinchers were, were going like this, all of them. They, they just don't stop, I mean, just constantly looking for some finger to snap off, you know, something to eat. And, and, and so, you know, I'm wondering, where are my leather gloves? <laughs> Where's my whole leather leather suit of armor or something? And I go running for the bow of the boat because this thing's sitting on the floor of the boat. He opens the lid, and I go running, and I pull my legs up under me, and I'm sitting and watching while he reaches in and pulls out the crab, and he takes his hand and breaks off the claws. He breaks both of them off and throws them in a bucket of salt water, and he tosses the crab back out into the ocean. All day long in the hot sun, this was the drill. One of those buoys found, brought in on the the pulley. The the crab trap broke the surface of the water. He put it on the boat. I ran for the bow of the boat. Some of those traps would have one crab. Some had none. Some had many. But all day long, he broke off those claws and threw the body back. And and the sun is getting ready to go down, and we're finished for the day. And I said, I have a question for you. Why are you breaking those claws off and throwing that body back out into the ocean? He said, because this is how I make a living. I crab trap for a living. I'm going to take those claws back to the dock, and you'll see when we get in to shore we get to the dock I'll take this big bucket and I will sell these for so much per pound they'll weigh them the restaurants local restaurants buy them they serve crab legs and they will serve these he said and then we'll go on in home and I'll make some money for the day I do this five days a week I said well shame on you shame on you for throwing the debris back into the ocean. You should take a trash bag and clean up after your mess because you shouldn't just throw those bodies back in the ocean. And he laughed. He said, you don't know anything about crabs. He said, you see, I will break off those claws and throw them in a bucket. 
And that animal, that crab, that creature is made to regenerate. There's your word. I'll catch that guy again in a year and he will have new claws. Is that not the most amazing thing you ever heard? And so when the Lord brought this back to me many years later and I was studying the scripture on regeneration, I began to understand that in the spirit something happens to us. And the only way to keep this thing from growing new claws would be to kill the crab. And everybody wants an easy fix. People come to the altar with addictions. We want to counsel them out. We, we want to put a patch on. We want to chew Nicorette. We, we, we want to see a, a, a detox. And, and please understand, I'm not against doing whatever you can. But I'm here to tell somebody tonight, your sin problem is never going to go away until you get in an old-fashioned altar and kill the crab. Break that thing apart in prayer. Fill yourself with the Word. And such were some of us. That's why you can say amen tonight. Because you remember how you were and what it took to break that thing. And there's no easy fix. The crab has to die or it will grow again. And the problem with sin is sin reproduces and the claw will come back bigger. What's the scripture say? You clean out the house. We, we don't quote that very often because, you know, it, that's a touchy subject. Somebody just gets delivered and, you know, in the altar and then they're all, all sweating and talking in tongues and they've been delivered. We bound the devils, the demons in their lives and, and they've been delivered. And we forget sometimes there should be a warning. Don't go back home and light up that joint. Don't go home and pick up your pack of cigarettes. Don't go back out and drink some vodka tonight. Don't, don't go to the beer joint because if you open the computer and you look at porn again, what you're doing is you're inviting the spirit world back in and it'll bring seven more because one devil never comes alone I know I'm talking to the church tonight but I also know the Lord spoke to me not only do you have to take care of your problems but you have to be able to help somebody else you can't counsel sin out of somebody it still takes an old-fashioned altar experience where a person doesn't come and just cry a few tears and say a few words in tongues and go back out and do what they've been doing and say, oh, well, Jesus forgives me every time. Every time you do that, you're searing your conscience. Before long, you won't even feel bad about your sin. You'll be able to do it without even feeling a bit guilty. you got to kill the crab you got to kill it so that it can't live. you got to fill your mind with the word. Quote the scripture. Be faithful to church. People aren't delivered when they're not faithful. Get involved. Be around the people of God. Get away from old friends. Old people that, that bring you down, that do the same bad habits you've been involved in. Get away from those people. Invite them to church. Love them from a distance. But you can't pal around with the world. Kill the crab or it will reproduce. I found an interesting thing about the crab. Matter of fact, I just found this one very recently. There's a danger to the crab. A parasite called a sucalina. 
It's a barnacle that lives in the ocean. A succalina will inject into the crab, finding a soft spot somewhere that the armor isn't covering. Let that soak in a minute. Find a soft spot, someplace where they're not covered, when they're unawares, and will simply inject into the crab. Its idea is that I am going to take over this crab as a host. I'm going to own it. I'm going to possess it. It's going to belong to me. Immediately something happens to the crab where it is almost catatonic. It's numb. It doesn't know what's happening. And no nutrition is able to be consumed at this point. If it's in the process of growing a new claw, all of that stops. No reproduction. It can't reproduce because it can't take in nutrients. Because it's allowed something in, in a soft spot where the armor didn't cover. And it will take it over. And inside now of the crab, that thing will begin to reproduce itself. Until the crab is destroyed. That's the way the enemy works. When you open the door to the spirit world and you say, well, I'm only going to do a little bit of that. That's not really all that bad. You know, everybody does that. And you open the door a little bit. You can't look in that room of the spirit world, the demonic world, and say, now I'm going to let you in, but you can't come in and you can't and you can't. All the devil wants is for you to crack the door. And you have to be strong enough in this last hour to say, wait a minute, I got some weights going on. It may not just be sin right now, but I've opened the door to some stuff during COVID that I really shouldn't have. I got bored. You don't want me to talk about Netflix. Netflix has pornography. It has pornographic movies on their selection. Why? Would you pay into a multi-billion dollar industry called the sex trade where they're kidnapping children and young people? Oh, well, that is very plain talking, yes, because we're in the last hour of time. And if you've got that diabolical stuff, you ought to go delete, get rid of, and get not pay into it every month and make up your mind. You know what? It's a time robber. It's a waste. I'm going to start feeding and feasting on the Word of God because I'm not going to let something get in in a soft spot where my armor isn't covering and let it take over me. You've got to be aware. What are your children watching? What games are they playing? What are they doing? You're responsible. You're accountable. And I've heard that, you know, during COVID there was so much downtime and families at home. And, and so, you know, we're engaging in more of this. All of the, the networks are up. The Amazon Prime movies and all of these things are, are just blowing out the walls. Why? Because people are binging. That's the word. Binging on these things. No longer do you have to say, well, Gunsmoke's on Thursday night at 8 o'clock. I don't want to miss Gunsmoke. 
can't go out to eat because we got to be ready to watch Gunsmoke. No, you like Gunsmoke, you can watch 28 episodes in a row. You stay up all night because the devil has injected something. He knows our nature. He's not dumb. He knows our nature. And our nature is flesh. And it's very easily addicted. And you can be addicted to stuff that we never mention in the pulpit. I'm on camera. But you know what? I grew up in a house where I'm not sure why. Mom was in the church. Dad came in when I was nine. I've told you the story. But there was something in our house. We, we had an old black and white TV. There's something about scary movies. Mom didn't watch them. She's too busy. She's never even in there. I had two older sisters, and for some reason, a little six, seven, eight-year-old girl got to watch Chiller Theater on Friday night. Scary guy came on, and I can remember the thrill. We turn all the lights off and black and white TV, and we'd pop popcorn. We'd say, "This is Chiller Theater." <laughs> Put your blanket over your head, but you're peeking because it just feels so exciting. And I grew up watching scary movies. Alfred Hitchcock, back when movies that were scary were really scary. They just weren't gory and nasty. They were scary where you jumped. And, you know, long into my adulthood, every once in a while, I'd think, I just need a real good scary movie. I just, I just need to be scared. I liked being scared. I don't like it when you scare me. <laughs> but I, I liked being scared. And one time I was preparing for a message and I was praying that message into my spirit and checking my own heart. And the Lord spoke to me and he said, Why do you engage in watching these scary movies? He convicted me. And I thought, well, it's nothing gory. I don't watch R-rated movies. They're old ones usually, just something old and scary. And it brings back my childhood. And I'm making all them the justifications. And the Lord said, you're real good about talking to people about their addictions. And you're addicted to scary movies. Addicted? How, how could you be addicted? I mean, addiction means to me, you just got to have it. You just want it. You, you crave it. You can't stop it. And, and the Lord said, no, what happens is when you get scared, you jump. And I did a little study on it, a little research. When you get frightened, when, when you're scared, you get an adrenaline rush. And you want the next one to be a little better. So you watch something a little scarier. You want the next one to be a little better. So you watch a little dirtier porn. You want the next one to be a little better. So you have to take a little more of that drug or another hit of it. That's the way addiction works. I'm unveiling the devil. 
What's slipping in? What little thing that you consider not to be a big deal at all has slipped in? And you've let it in under your armor. And you're walking with God. But all of a sudden there's a stronghold, something set up in you. And you're not even aware. The Lord sent me tonight to tell you it's time to get in the altar and kill that thing. And draw a line in the sand and say, I'm not doing that anymore. I'm not going to be addicted to my cell phone. Some of you need to delete Facebook. You need to get off of there because you can't handle it. And even if you can't handle it, you're spending way too much time on it. And you're getting all of, of your glory from how many likes you got on that picture you put on there. You have to look many times a day to see if you got any more likes. Red flag, red flag. Get off of there. Get off social media if you can't handle it. If you can handle it, then prove it. Fast it for a week. Delete the app. That's how you'll know if you can handle it. Oh, this isn't pretty preaching. It's not fun. This is not fun. But I'm helping you. Kill the crab. Confess it. Don't justify it. Get in the altar and stay until it's broken. Some of you need to go home and you need to agree. Husbands and wives, we're not going to do that anymore. We're not watching that anymore. We're going to get rid of that. Some of, for some people, it's the news. Oh, during COVID, you got to know how many cases there are every morning. First time, first time thing, your eyes wide open. You you got to see the numbers. You got you got to find out what Fox News or, or or CBS or CNS or whatever you watch. You got to find out what they're doing and what they're saying and who got killed overnight. Are there any more riots? Oh yeah, you're addicted. You can't you can't function. And then we say dumb things like, "Well, we want to stay informed." Informed. You don't even know what's truth and what's a lie Informed by the world The news isn't like it used to be You don't know that what you're listening to Is even true And let me tell you from somebody that doesn't listen to the news There are plenty of people that will keep you informed In your life (laughs) Amen Kill that thing Put on some gospel music when you get up in the morning Drink your coffee Worshiping the Lord in the morning Turn off the news and listen to preaching On your way to work It's time for the church to be the church But some stuff has to die You and I have to make up our minds I want to be like Jesus It won't die until you kill it It'll keep regrowing New claws, bigger than the time before. A parasite gets in and reproduces, and it loses its ability finally to survive. Because when sin is finished, it brings forth death. Death of a ministry, death of a marriage, death of a reputation. When sin's finished, you don't even know you're sinning. That's scary. The crabs get together in their cast. They're lying on the beach. They're sunning themselves. They're eating the mollusks out of the little shells. And they're just having a grand old time. Why don't you come and play and let them know I'm almost there. Old daddy crab, he's the king crab. He's just enjoying the sunshine. There's no enemy. Everything's going great. 
You know, some of us have those times in life where we look around and say, man, everything's good. Enjoy it when it's like that. Because it won't always be that way. Because it rains on the just and the unjust. Brother George, there are times that I declared I got too much to do. I'm, I'm not dealing with this. And the Lord didn't tell me to run. And I had to deal with it. So it's not always a quick fix. Sometimes we suffer. We go through things. But how you go through it is so important. How you go through it. So I'll say if you're going through something pretty awful right now, maybe no one even knows. Maybe it's in your home. Maybe it's with your children or your spouse. Maybe it's your flesh. Your, maybe it's your body, your health. I don't know. But I want you to commend you. You're here. Sometimes all you can do is just show up. You know, those are those times when we don't need to tear each other down. Or why does she just sit there? You know, she may be so broken that if she opens her mouth to say one thing, she'll dissolve into a puddle. So what she's decided to do is I'm just going to come to church. I'm going to show up until I can do a little more. Don't judge one another harshly because it might be you next. One phone call can change your whole life. One trip to the doctor, one revelation can change your world. So when somebody's hurting and we see their behavior is not like it's always been and maybe we're running and shouting and they're not, that's the time to come aside and lay your hand on their shoulder. And say, I'm praying for you. Everything's going to be all right. They're having a grand time. They're eating. There's plenty to eat. The sun's shining. The water's right there. And, and it just couldn't be any better. But little do they know, there's a seagull that's flying overhead. And they scan the surface of the water to see if they can find schools of fish. It's good when you're fishing, deep sea fishing, to watch where the birds are. That's where the fish are. And so here, this gull comes in for some lunch, and he can't find anything. The water seems to be so dark, and there's no fish, and he's hungry. The unsuspecting crabs don't even see the enemy. And all of a sudden, without warning, the gull swoops down. And with one grasp, with his huge talons, he grabs that old daddy claw, that crab. And the crab finds himself flying through the air. What, what happened? Every, everything was going great. I, I, I was so happy. All, all my needs were met and, and my family was all around me and everything was good. I, I ha have Jesus in my heart. I'm ready for heaven and everything's going great. And in comes the enemy like a flood. 
The Bible says he wants to sift us as wheat. Destroy us. The gall has one thing in mind. I'm going to have lunch. The gall is known to take the crab up to a high rocky place and drop the crab in hopes that he will crack. Then he'll swoop down with his beak and he'll begin to pulverize the body of that crab, the claws. He'll devour him from the inside out. He's consuming him. The crab is totally hopeless and helpless and and the cast of crabs are down below and all of a sudden dad's missing. Things can happen so fast. And while he's flying through the air, he remembers something that I want you to remember. Wait a minute. I'm made to regenerate. It's not over because I'm made to renew. He has to remember that. In times of trouble, in times of heartache and pain, you have to remember it's not over. God's not done yet. God's got one more move on the chessboard of life. He's not finished with you. There's something good coming around the corner. You've got to remember we're made to regenerate. And so as he's flying through the air, getting ready to be dropped, getting ready to be pulverized, he remembers just in time. And with one shift of his little shoulder, he releases that claw. He has the ability to let go. You, my friend, have the ability to let go tonight, to decide, I've carried my past way too long. The devil's had a piece of me way too long. I'm going to let go. With one shift of his shoulder, he releases himself, and that gall gets the surprise of his life. He just got an appetizer. He's flying away with one claw, and that daddy crab falls back down into the soft sand because God will always make sure you have a soft place to land. You're His child. He loves you. He's going to take care of you. Daddy Crab falls back down onto the soft sandy beach. He's missing a claw. And the cast knows what happened to him. They all scamper in around him, as crabs will. There are videos that show this very thing happening. Immediately, they start taking care of him. They wash him off. They feed him. They start cracking open the mollusks, and they start feeding him because he needs nutrients. He needs help. Somebody comes back. And the devil's got a piece of them. As a church, you and I have to be ready to feed them. To come alongside them. To love on them. So touching to realize that they all gather around and begin to take care of him. And it's not very long. Until there's a little pink protrusion 
out of that spot. And regeneration begins. And as they feed him and take care of him, out pops a new claw. And oh, I, I forgot to tell you. Not really. We pulled those crabs out of the trap. And over and over, I said, why is one claw real small? And the other one's real big. Because when you regenerate and you come back after your trial, after your sin, after your pain, that claw that regrows, that part of you that comes back is bigger, it's stronger. You're able to help others in the same area, the same things that you went through. You'll be able to speak life into someone else. The Lord will turn that thing around and use it for good. That's what regeneration is all about. Restoration. Renewing. You get a new beginning. You get to start over. Over and over and over, as long as there's breath in your body, you get a chance to start over, to make things right, to grow a new claw, to get it right. Isn't that a beautiful thing? Jesus. Oh, I feel the Holy Ghost so strong. Time to kill the sin. To grow a new claw. Rise above your past and oppression. And to use what you've learned to help others get ready for heaven. We're the church. We're his bride. These things that come are not supposed to incapacitate us. We're not supposed to be sitting on the pew on mind-altering drugs, needing counseling every week, broken and bruised and battered. And I'm only saying this because I have been there. But I have found that even though I turned to those things at one time, it was not that that brought me out. But what brought me out was a prayer life. Time at His feet. Laying before the Lord. Killing the things that were not like Him. And I'm still working on that. And understanding that I can live again after brokenness. And that what comes out of brokenness God uses. And when the enemy says you're done. It's over for you. God has another plan. He'll give you favor. He'll help you. He'll restore you. But attitude is everything. You have to be the one to stand up and fight it and say, you know what? I'm coming out of this. In Jesus' name. Four layers. Crabs in the tank. crabs in the trap the crabs consumed 
by a parasite because they didn't have their armor. They were caught unawares. And the crab on the beach, it grows a new cloth. You'll spend your whole life learning to let go and let God. You have to learn to let go. That old crab couldn't grow a new cloth until he released the old one. You don't want to give a piece of yourself to the enemy. I understand. But sometimes you have to just let go and let Jesus work. Yeah, we spend our whole life and then we lay on a deathbed. If our death is not quick, we suffer some. Many people suffer. And then we have to let go. How many people have you heard of that said, I want to see so-and-so? And then when they saw their grandchildren or their child or someone they were waiting for, within moments, they let go. Jesus took them home. I know I've told you this before, but I feel like telling you tonight. My mama, on her deathbed, she lived for God all her life. She had a lot of battles. Her battles were not sin. Her battles were not addictions. Her, her battles were not being ill and unkind to people. Her battle was a stronghold in her mind that says no one likes me. We called it the martyr syndrome. Mom was a martyr. No one liked her. No one shook her hand. No one wanted her around. She battled that her whole life. But Mama was a prayer warrior. And when she prayed, when she interceded, that would go away for a while. And she'd stop talking like that. And, and we'd think, wow, Mom, Mom's finally gotten over all that. And then when she didn't pray, it'd come back. Does that tell you anything? We've got to have a prayer life. Some things you're just going to battle. And you got to keep battling. Mama had Alzheimer's. And guess what? She won that battle. Now everybody loved her. It was kind of unique the way God works in these things with the mind. I don't know. Pastor, maybe it was the only way she could really conquer it. But I'd come in the room and she'd say, everybody loves me here. And you see... At night, people come and bring me donuts. And I don't, I don't want for anything. And, and little kids come and they visit me. We found out that she was turning on Little House on the Prairie at night. And the little kids were visiting her. No more did she carry that cross of no one loves me. Now everybody loved her. She's happy. No pain. When I went to visit mom in the nursing home and Death was nigh. We knew she wasn't able to drink or eat any longer. She was curled up in a fetal position facing the wall. And I'd been traveling and I hadn't been around. And when I did come, she didn't know me. Four o'clock in the morning on the seventh day, I was in the area. I was in Tennessee ministering. And the Lord said, get up and go to the nursing home. 
I threw on my clothes. I got in the car. I mean, literally, the Lord woke me up. I, I, I went to the nursing home, and I, I knew immediately what I thought was happening. She was sitting on the side of the bed. She hadn't been sitting up at all. She was sitting up on the side of the bed, and her eyes were, were, were just wild, and she was fumbling with the sheets, and she already had her legs over the side of the bed, and she was tiny, tiny and frail. She hadn't walked for a very long time. I felt that the Lord was sending me to help her get back in bed to keep from falling. I, I went into flesh mode. You know, I just, I got to get her back in bed. And mom, you can't get up. Mom, let me help you. And I took her little skinny shoulders and I, I tried to push her back in the bed. I, I tried to lay her down and I couldn't. She was strong. I couldn't lay her down. I, I still don't know what's happening. I, I, I'm getting ready to call the nurse. I said, Mom, you've got to lay down. You're going to fall. And she looked straight up at the ceiling with a big smile on her face. She said, Baby, don't you see him? He's come to get me. Please let me go. We spend our whole life learning to let go mama you can go go be with Jesus what I didn't understand until the Lord explained to me that he woke me up because I was so connected to her spiritually so I could usher her over into the presence of the Lord that was that glorified body already taking over that strength the Lord let me see how strong she was going to be walking on streets of gold. Somebody tonight needs to learn to let go. Quit trying to control everything. Let go of sin. Let go of control in your life and let Jesus run it. Let go of your past. Forgive people that hurt you. Because they're still controlling you. They're not worrying about it. But they're still controlling you until you forgive. And above all, learn to let go so that you can grow a new claw. That you can be stronger. So you can help somebody else. Would you stand? There is a sovereign move of the Spirit in this building. He has been here in such a sweet way. We would be remiss if we did not find a place right now and get on our faces. And begin to cry out to God and let your Holy Ghost do the work, let it speak. The Spirit knows how it ought to pray. There needs to be some intercession done tonight, some repenting. Just move out. Kneel at your seat. Come to this altar. The, the altar is open. There's plenty of space here. There, the steps are here to kneel on the front rows. But move out. None of us should leave without finding a little time to talk to the Lord. Y Ramón de Alabo Sharramaki.